Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> Tiny noises. We're doing the invitation. It doesn't matter. I can say whatever I want. Speaking of violating social norms, we're talking about the invitation. Whatever. Kate nailed it. Well, tiny noises is pretty good. The invitation 2015 specifically. Oh yeah. What's the other one? Uh it came out this year and it got panned. Oh. It was not good. Okay, well, not that one. Yeah. That's so why when you were like, don't forget, we're watching this one. I was like, there's another? I, I had the same moment because I, I, was no. like, I was looking up stuff and I was like, this isn't the movie that I was. <laughs> yeah. One of these days it's going to happen. Hold on, I have to fix my mic. <laughs> Jesus. One of these days we're going to end up watching two separate movies. Mm-hmm. We almost it did. Al- we almost did it. Almost did it. I mean, it would have worked for the next week, but yeah. it would have been hilarious. So I just never mentioned anything to you and then came in and went, so the exorcist you were like okay what about it yeah <laughs> and i'm like the changeling and i was like i don't know what that is <laughs> i've never heard of her never been to Ubu java <laughs> never been to Ubu java that's such a good one a classic uh but no speaking of classic the invitation it's classic in my heart i love it, it. i love this film the invitation sorry if i sound sleepy it's because i'm sleepy <laughs> not gonna lie to you we're both tired deal oh, with it yeah. <laughs> it's like working full-time jobs it's i know it's whatever it's i'm ready <laughs> um you ready for some facts yes you know all this already it's directed by carrie Kazama. Mm-hmm. we're gonna hear all about it soon and i can't wait mm-hmm. uh also did girl fight young flux jennifer's body destroyer and a segment on xx which we talked about yes. do you remember which one nope crap i can't sure. remember which one i feel like it's the mother son one where i think so too yeah. actually she does a lot with grief yeah i think that's it um go listen uh, we said who it was when you listen to the episode yeah go listen to the episode on xx and then remind us um <laughs> so that's karen kusama which we're gonna hear a lot about so i didn't do too much um written by phil hay uh he was raised outside of akron ohio Aww. i was just there wow we claim him i know he's ours you can't leave ohio <laughs> you can't leave. legally you're not allowed no. uh also wrote uh destroyer eon flux mm-hmm. clash of the titans r.i.p.d and ride along okay r.i.p.d is a through line through a lot of these folks and i think it's really funny okay it's that have you, you know what it is no it's that weird movie where it's like ryan reynolds or something and he is like a ghost cop what a cab includes ghost cops yes but it was like that's why it's called r.i.p.d yeah yeah yeah. i I get i get it it. rest in peace (laughs) the least department Department. (laughs) peace (laughs) elise they didn't think that one through i don't think uh but it was also written by matt manfredi Mm -hmm. uh did crazy beautiful the tuxedo which do you know that movie nope it's a jackie chan movie where he puts on a tuxedo and it makes him like he's like a regular old guy but then he puts it on and it like controls him ratatouille's him if you will Mm -hmm. and makes him good at fighting 
but it's Jackie Chan, so we know we're in on yeah. The joke. We're in on um, the joke. Also did Eon Vlogs. <laughs> Clash of the Titans, R.I.P.D. <laughs> Ride along in the Destroyer. A lot, lot of people love the Destroyer and R.I.P.D. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hay and Manfredi are like partners yeah. in crime. Yeah. Um, uh, cinematography was Bobby Shore. Um, did not have a lot. Just Stuber, Goon, and Bang Bang Baby. Huh. Bang Bang Baby. What's the one that I hate? It's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? No. Maybe. What's the... You said like I should know. I was like, I don't know what you hate. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. This is where it gets fun. Um, The music was by Theodore Shapiro. Now listen, now picture the music, okay? In the invitation. Yeah. What do you think? What's the words that come to mind? Discordant, uneasy. Yeah. Um, Just unsettling, right? Now let me tell you the other movies he's done. State in Maine, 13 going on 30, Along Came Polly, The Devil Wears Prada, Fun with Dick and Jane, Idiocracy, and Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> I was like, what, well, did you take a break? He was like, I love comedies, but it's time for something dark. He's like, I've had some nightmares recently. <laughs> He's like, I've seen the ghost of Mr. Chicken. I know how to. I know. Because I pictured the music and I was like, sure. I yeah, guess. Okay. Why not? <laughs> wow. Oh, I thought that was very funny. Okay. Uh, the budget mm-hmm. was only one million. That's yeah. what it said. Yeah, very- no, you're you're absolutely sorry. I was thinking of the budget for Eon Flux, which was very different. <laughs> I was like, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> no, because I you're like, absolutely I don't mind right. good. <laughs> yeah, one million. Do you know how much it made? it did really well in the festival circuit mm-hmm. yeah that doesn't always mean it'll do well commercially right i'm gonna say five million. Oh fuck <laughs> Three hundred and fifty four thousand eight hundred and thirty five. no <laughs> that's what it says <laughs> it's heartbreaking <laughs> i know because it's so good yeah um i think it's like now that it's streaming, I feel like people yeah. love it. You mentioned it. And they're like, oh, I love that movie. Oh, yeah. I'm like, then where were you when it was out in theaters? I wasn't there. I didn't see it, but, <laughs> but still. Where were you? Where were you? <laughs> and don't ask where I was. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. And then I only have a few fun facts. Uh, there wasn't a ton. Uh, in 2012, 2012, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. You're trying to get the tuxedo 2012? Yeah. <laughs> In 2012, mm-hmm. it was originally announced that Luke Wilson, Zachary Quinto, Topher Grace, and Johnny Galecki had initially been scheduled to star in the film. Johnny Galecki. Johnny Galecki. <laughs> I was most shook by Topher Grace for some I reason. I don't know who that is. From that 70s show. Main oh. guy, Eric. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I thought that was wild. I don't know what happened. I don't know. if Maybe it was like a rumor. Maybe they're like, oh, they're going to be in it. And yeah. then they were like, no. Because it was like, it was labeled as like, hey, these people were supposed to be in the movie. And then the next sentence was, and then filming wrapped. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so they just weren't then. Mm-mm. So it may have been a rumor. Maybe it was just, they were, and then they were like, nah, never mind. Different yeah. cast. But I thought that was funny. Amazing. Um, what if there's then... a secret invitation where it's just like, <laughs> right? Johnny Galecki is like, I did it, guys. <laughs> I did it. Um, uh, Karen Kusama was influenced by the sh- uh, slow reveal of Let the Right One In. Mm-hmm. She said that the film's theme is direct quote, a metaphor for what the nightmare of anxiety really is, which is the irrational sense that people are trying to hurt you somehow. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. She, <laughs> she certainly she is nailed that. it. <laughs> certainly nailed it. The movie starts and I'm like, everyone's out to get me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, uh, we'll get to it. We'll fucking oh, get to it. I can't it. wait. I'm pumped. Um... 
But yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you look too happy. So I was like, hmm. dinner party with a cult goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, boom. Yeah. You yeah, nailed it. Easy. You know? Why Why get too much? Don't sugarcoat it. You know? Yeah. So I was not pleased with the Rotten Tomatoes one. So I also pulled oh. an IMDb one. And then also while I was reading one of my like core pieces of like mm-hmm. reference material, a BuzzFeed article, a really good one. It was an interview with Karen Kasama. <laughs> nice. I dripped water. Sorry. <laughs> you made me laugh. <laughs> I dripped a little. I was like, whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh, no. <laughs> Spit a little cheese on you. <laughs> I did spit cheese on that girl. <laughs> I wonder if she remembers. <laughs> Hope not. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I have three summaries yeah. for you because wow, the article had such a rich, like a summary. One, but yeah, sure. but we start Why off not with the worst more? and build to the best. You're right. Wait. Well, the first two are <laughs> <laughs> not yours. <laughs> yours is not included Fair in the enough. list of three. <laughs> okay, not in tomatoes. Yeah. While attending a dinner party at his former house, a man starts to believe that his ex-wife and her new husband have sinister plans for the guests. Okay. It's fine. You didn't even get the cult part in there. I know. And Throw it's it like, in, guys. is the most important part at his former house? I know. Not like, I like with his like, friend group. He lived there once. Or like <laughs> after his son died. Like they're missing all the important like stretches. They were just like, no, leave that part out. Make sure they know we live there. And then IMDb just opened up a few more things. Oh, okay. Shorter, but still somehow mm-hmm. managed to get to it. But a man accepts an invitation to a dinner party hosted by his ex-wife, an unsettling affair that reopens old wounds and creates new tensions. Oh, okay. Okay. I like that one. Doesn't have the cult, but that's okay. But it's better. BuzzFeed article. This is a long quote. It's an exercise in deftly avoiding spoilers to describe the movie's plot, but the basic thrust involves a dinner party grudgingly attended by Will and his girlfriend, Kira, which is hosted by Will's ex-wife, Eden, and her mysterious new boyfriend, David, at the same posh Hollywood Hills home that Eden and Will used to share. The rift in Will and Eden's marriage was rooted in deep, abiding grief. As Will's paranoia grows over why Eden and David are hosting the party, the differing ways one deals with profound loss, one of the film's major themes, begin to rise to the surface. Spooky. Yeah. And I was like, okay, good one. that set up like the yeah. core, like first five minutes. <laughs> right. But I yeah. Like that. that was a good one. Yeah. Nice. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. That was for you. Calm down. <laughs> that was for me. You turned down my gift and I am ashamed. I'm so sorry. I mean, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you. I'll do it again though. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. <laughs> Not from you. <laughs> no. Um, oh wow. Is it time for Nerd Corner? It is. I'm pumped. You've been, uh, I don't know. Hey, is it Karen Kasama? Is it supposed Okay. I thought so, but yeah. I wasn't like positive. So I didn't want to be like, okay, tell me about Karen Kasama. And you were like, oh, yikes. Yeah. So I've been putting this on the patron pick choice for months. You really And are. no one has. And I'm like, I, I want to cover I'm it. Like, we're doing it. <laughs> and I so this, this movie. I was just like, what if we just did it? And Nikki's like, yeah. And I was like, Hell okay, yeah, I it's love time for Karen Kasama. <laughs> It's time. <laughs> it's time. <sighs> so for Nerd Corner, broadly, I want to talk more about the context in which we receive movies. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds weird and vague, but basically I want to take a step back from the moment in which we engage with the film and look at how that film was brought into the world. Mm-hmm. So before the theaters, before the trailers, before all of that, what mediates the creation of a film and the ability to share it? Mm-hmm. How does it get produced? How does it get filmed at all? I wish I knew any of that. That's a big fucking question. So we will narrow the scope significantly (laughs) to the example of Karen Kusama's career. We've talked about her before when we covered Jennifer's Mm -hmm. body, but I purposefully didn't cover part of her career because I wanted to save it for this. Yeah. And I even went back to check my notes just to be like, did I talk? And I literally have a line. It's like, there is so much to Karen Kusama that I can't get into this week. (laughs) And I was like, so good. You're ready. (laughs) I was ready. I saved it for me. 
So Jennifer's body, as we discussed, now holds somewhat of a cult status, but it was a commercial flop when mm-hmm. it was released in 2009. Yeah. And we covered how it was set up to fail by sexism and all that. Yeah. But there was something a few years earlier that was even more damaging to her career. No. Eon Flux in 2005. No. Yeah. Eon Flux. If you haven't seen Eon Flux, Eon sucks. Uh, <laughs> Drag it. I've seen it. It's not good, it's but not we'll good. get into why it's not good. And right. I think that's very important. But if you haven't seen it, it's Charlize Theron in a dystopian city four centuries into our future, and it has a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whew. Yeah. It was adapted from an animated television series of the same name that is referred to as an avant-garde science fiction. It was on MTV from 91 to 95, oh. and it had like a following. It was established. Cool. So there's going to be criticism no matter what, yeah. because they're making an adaptation of another right. visual medium, and that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. So it had a budget of $62 million. Wow. Yes, which is why when you said $1 million, I was like... <laughs> not be right. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, a different movie. Whoa. Uh, and it had some really strong stars with name recognition. So we already mentioned Charlize, but mm-hmm. there was also Johnny Lee Miller, Francis McDormand, and Pete Postlethwaite. Mm. I'm just like, yeah, that's too like, many teeth. What a name, though. <laughs> yeah. Among others. Uh, Kusama had received critical acclaim for her 2000 movie Girl Fight, which absolutely mm-hmm. knocked everyone flat at Sundance. But it wasn't commercially successful. Right. But it was still well regarded enough that her talent was clear. Even with that success, she is a woman of color in Hollywood. So, direct quote from her, as quoted in BuzzFeed, there was a sense everyone was in the dark about what does it mean to be a woman behind, at the time, what was a very high-profile assignment. It had been budgeted at something insane that the studio didn't want to make it for, like $110 million. So they said, can you basically make it for half that? But that was still a really big movie to be my second movie, and a really big movie to be any woman's movie. Yeah. So she's talking about like the pressure of having that much of a budget. It's her mm-hmm. second film. Right. So despite these pressures, Kusama also had the support of Sherry Lansing, the CEO of Paramount Pictures at the time. According to interviews, Lansing vied with the vision that Kusama had for the film. Mm-hmm. According to Hay, quote, she always liked the script, liked what Karen was doing. Our collective idea was trying to make something that could stand next to a crouching tiger, hidden dragon. That's how everybody kind of bought in. Yeah. So they're working their way through pre-production and the production of this film, and there's a major shift in leadership at Paramount. Lansing's on the way out, and Brad Gray and former Fox TV executive Gail Berman are on the way in. And they are not really that interested in what Kusama had put together. Oh. Uh, She had made a, quote, challenging sci-fi romantic thriller with the thoughtful pacing of a highbrow Asian martial arts film. It was just that the studio didn't want that movie anymore. Oh, no. Yeah. They were not interested in anything highbrow or arthouse at all. (laughs) And they dropped Kusama from the film. They pulled her uh, editing powers and had someone else what? recut everything. <gasps> yeah. So everything she created, she had to watch someone else recutting it because they said, this is like, this is an art movie. We don't want that. We want a thriller, like an action movie. She compared watching this process and being unable to stop it as being like open heart surgery without painkillers. Oh. She had carefully choreographed fight sequences that were beautiful long shots. And then the new editors hacked them to pieces to rearrange them into like this fast paced alternative. Major storylines and subplots, like a gay supporting character, were removed entirely. It not only disrupted the narrative flow, which is very clear, but it also removed the emotional center of the movie. Like, all of the core of the movie was just ripped out because they were like, no, we just need more action. All this is too feminine. So, quote, by the time the studio was done, Kusama's Eon Flux had been hacked down, she said, to 71 minutes, barely long enough to qualify as a feature film. More to the point, it made absolutely no sense whatsoever. And she's quoted saying, once they saw what that Frankenstein project looked like, they legitimately freaked out. 
I got a call from one of my executives that was essentially like, I really hated your version of the movie, but believe it or not, I hate the new version even more. Oh my God. Yeah, the next line in the article is like, they did, they declined to comment. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, whatever. So, oh my God. According to the article, she considered being like, this is your mess now. Don't you dare put my name on it. Like, yeah. you cut this. Like, you did this. But she still went back in to piece together what she could because she respected the work that she and her crew had put in. Yeah. And she didn't like want to walk away from that. Right. She did what she could, but she wasn't even allowed to be alone with the editor because they didn't trust that she would adhere to the vision that they had for the project. Which they thought, shit. Got yeah, it. Yeah. They thought that she would like try to turn it back into an art house movie. And there's like a joke from Han. He's like, I really like they were afraid she was going to turn it into art house, which wouldn't have changed anything about the box office because I really don't think it could have made less money. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it was a massive flop. And aside from the emotional fallout of the entire process, she was also told by her agent, only partially jokingly, that she was in movie jail. So. She didn't do anything. She didn't oh do anything. God, that sucks. Fucking infuriating. Because you watch someone just like rip apart this thing that you've put together so painstakingly. And then they're like, oh, we might have made a boo-boo. Can you come fix it? And she's like, I can try. And they're like, but we're going to like keep one arm behind your back but the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So oh what God. is movie jail? <laughs> It's what some people call the period of time after a major box office failure where the directors can't get work because they're the one that drove Eon Flux into the ground. Or if you're a white man in Hollywood, it's after Alien 3 fails, but then you get to make Seven. Or after Apt Pupil flops, but then you make X-Men. Or Serenity broke hearts in all the wrong ways, but then you're granted the Avengers. Or you create Zathura and then are trusted with Iron Man. Or you helm the Frighteners and then Captain Lord of the Rings. That was wow. David Finger, Brian Singer, Joss Whedon, John Favreau, Peter Jackson. That's just a short list compiled by the good folks of BuzzFeed. Oh my god. Yeah. So as Kusama put it, maybe movie jail is, quote, supposed to sound like a rite of passage, but so few women get any opportunity to have more than just the rite of passage, which is a big part, I think, of what we really need to be talking about when it comes to women's careers in film. It's the sense that each movie represents some kind of finality, potentially, to their career, as opposed to the sense that you have hits and you have misses. That's called being an artist. I'm very conscious of how frequently great artists in film who are male and are also generally called big personalities get to fail. <sighs> so here we land at who gets to fail and get another chance versus who had to fight for their spot at the table. And if they don't succeed the first time, that's it. They don't get another chance. So when she wanted to work on Jennifer's body four years later, she was asked very specific questions about what happened with Eon Flux. She had to defend her work and her skill in order to be seen as worthy of another chance. In her interview, she said that she felt that the dude interviewing her, I don't remember his name, doesn't mm -hmm. matter to me. Uh, she said she felt that he understood what happened with Eon Flux wasn't mm -hmm. like a masterpiece of her creation, but a monster that she had pulled together after the studio cut it to ribbons. Right. And she felt like she was on the same page of the studio until the film's marketing. Which we know, they were not on the same page. <laughs> nope. So, we've already covered that, so we don't need to go over it again. But between Eon Flux and the invitation, Jennifer's body and one episode of The L Word were all she directed. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, Eon Flux was 2015. Mm -hmm. Invitation. Oh, sorry. Eon Flux was 2005. Yeah. Invitation is 2015. Yeah. For 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Uh, she also did 16-minute short. <laughs> that one's on her IMDb, but no one lists it. Right. I don't even remember what it's called. So the article and Kusama also point out that around the time the invitation started getting rave reviews on the festival circuit, there was also growing recognition of the dearth of opportunity for folks from marginalized community in Hollywood, marginalized communities in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. 
There are obviously a lot of variables at play here, but in the years since the success of The Invitation, she's worked on at least 12 different projects in TV and film, like Yellow Jackets, Man in the High Castle, and mm. Destroyer. Yeah. So for a 10-year period, she had like two credits to her name, and then in less than 10 years, she has 12 now. You go. Yeah. You go. <laughs> Hell yeah. You go, Glenn Coco. So to me, part of watching The Invitation is about recognizing the years that Kusama spent unable to get back in the door and interrogating the reasons for that. So even before we start to parse out all the different layers of the film, just that she made it at all is sar- is something that already impacts how we engage with it. Mm-hmm. Once we recognize that, we then look at the ways that she plays with transgression of social norms and perspective of characters. Girl Fight, Jennifer's Body, Jan Flux, all had leading ladies. The Imitation follows a man as the primary character amongst the party. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what Kusama's trying to protect a space for. She's going to make films that resonate with her and call out the double standard of being expected to only occupy a certain perspective or tell stories from that place. Yeah. People are like, well, like, why didn't you have like a female lead? And she's like, because I didn't want to. And like, I'm allowed to take another perspective in film. And like, I am a female director. That doesn't mean that I have to make all movies about like women's experiences specifically and like transgression from that perspective. So you can absolutely watch this movie and know nothing about the director or her history and still love or hate it. Yeah. But there is also added depth when you get to sit with all of it. Yeah. Who created this movie? How? What forces were at play either propelling her onward or pulling her back? All of that can mean something. And we talk a lot about the societal context and impact of films. And a fair portion of those discussions are about themes within the movie, types of conflict, ways that we interact with the film based on current events, etc., That's why I wanted to go back even further with this one. (laughs) Our engagement with the film starts before the previews start at the theater. It starts with who can be legible to studios and how hard they have to work for that. God. That's society. Karen, no. Karen. (laughs) Karen, yes. Karen, yes. I can't believe they did that. Ian Flux, dang. Just reading about it is just heartbreaking to have like. That's so painful to just watch someone destroy something you made. And Uh. then still like you get all the fallout for it. Yep awful absolutely awful yeah that infuriates me yep <laughs> i wanted to get you angry <laughs> i am dang i want to watch it again yeah. and i haven't seen it in so so long yeah. but i'm so tempted to watch it and be like what'd you do what'd you do yeah i i saw it once as like a child basically so bad right the two hour God. version with like the intentionally cut scene I like that'd uh, be so good I imagine that her fight sequences are glorious. Oh, I'm sure. She had like so much emotion and like so many character arcs. And (laughs) one of the questions that she was asked when she wanted to Jennifer's body, they Mm -hmm. were like, why is she the only one wearing those clothes? And she's like, well, she just came from a funeral, but you wouldn't know because they cut that out of the film. I want to see it. I want to see her version. Yeah. I know we'll never see it. It's okay. I have to make peace. (sighs) No. Are we ready to talk about horror? I'm excited. I... Oh, gosh, I love this movie so much. A oh, gosh. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Golly gee. Go- oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, now, I am not surprised that it wasn't, like, a huge success, only because mm. I feel like I didn't hear anything about it. Like, it was just, like, I don't know. I never, I didn't know about this until it was streaming, but... I don't know. I think I, my dad showed it to me a few years ago. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I yeah. knew it. Like I watched it a few yeah. years ago, but that's only because it was on Netflix. And I was like, oh yeah, it looks interesting. Yeah. And I was like, oh fuck, it's really good. Something my dad used to do with some of his friends was that he would like host scary movie nights during mm-hmm. the month of October 
Well, in order to prepare for that, he watched a scary movie every day in October. And by the end, he was like, I don't, I'm so tired. But he watched like 20 some horror films to like try to find the right one to show the guys. And so it might have been one of those times where he was like, well, I found one. (laughs) I had a friend who would do that, but like purposefully he would like, well, not that he wasn't doing it on purpose, but like he chose and was like, I would like to watch a movie every day. And he would watch a scary movie like every day. Um, just for October, yeah. and that's wild, but I guess we do something kind of similar. It's every yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> that's still more than some people. Um, this is the most movies I've ever watched. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, all right. I'll just go through my notes, and let's see how it goes. Um, already, the camera angles were great. Or camera angles, I guess, but just, like, the way that they shoot things. Yeah. This movie was so full of silhouettes. It felt like... Um, you know how sometimes, like, you're sitting in, like, an audience in a theater, and you're looking at the stage, and it's really well lit, but you can still see, like, the heads of people yeah. in front of you? Yeah. That's what it felt like half the time, because oh. they would show, like, there's that part in the car with the coyote, and you can and see Kira's head, her. and it, it's, like, you're not just watching what's happening, you're watching her watching it. Yeah. So it's so interesting that they were able to get um, what happens, so you can see and follow the story but you're not just experiencing it. You're experiencing someone else experiencing yeah. it. I was like, oh, that's neat. Camera's character is us. Yeah. Character's yeah. audience surrogate. Yeah. And I I just loved it. I thought starting with that was great. Yeah. Because it also comes back, obviously, later when it's the by any means necessary, like do what you have to do. And yeah. Tell me if you yeah. got like major get out vibes from the opening sequence because oh yeah it's just like they're in a car it's awkward you have like the flashing trees and yeah. stuff and like the discordant music and then they hit something and like I was like oh this is very get out yeah <laughs> it oh it really was and I think it's so neat when they make something so unsettling and like upsetting happen right before you get to something that's supposed to be fun mm-hmm. and just sets the tone for it's not fun yeah. like, <laughs> it's like you're already anxious before right? you get there like damn it's gonna be so uncomfortable fuck oh, i hit God. an animal um but i did say the lighting in the movie is, is very dark um it's got a lot of silhouettes oranges reds and greens um which i don't know how purposeful i mean i would say somewhat obviously because like red is this supposed to represent this cult and then yeah so um, I feel like it seeps in and gets more red as yeah. like the movie kind of goes a little bit. It starts off pretty green with like the trees and the everything, and slowly it's like oh, as no. it gets to nighttime, <laughs> you have less natural yeah. light and more of like the forced. Yes, and I do have some fun notes about like how I felt about the lighting. Ooh. I don't know if I'm right, but I liked it. I'm excited. Um, I said I like that nothing scary has happened, but the music has been spooky since this movie started. Yeah. They're just doing, I mean, yes, hitting the coyote, I guess, is, like, pretty unsettling. But, like, nothing has happened. So they're just making you feel anxious. Yeah. And it's like she said in that quote where it's, like, making you feel anxious and upset, but you don't actually think anyone is going to hurt you, but you don't know. And yep. It's so good. There's a meme that I feel, per- like, just perfectly encapsulates mm-hmm. what having chronic anxiety is like. Yeah. And it's one of those, like, computer warning boxes, but it's empty. It just says, warning! <laughs> yeah! And I'm like, I've oh, if that. that's not right. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Called out. <laughs> I love it. Um, also, oh, fucking, one of my favorite characters in the way that she acts is Sadie. Sadie scared the shit she out of me. She unnerves me because you. I feel like she's always about to do something and you don't know what it's going to yes. be because she's, she's unpredictable. She's like feral. She's anxiety in a person. Yeah. This, I said, this woman showed up and immediately had a very sinister vibe. 
This Sadie person is this everything. Uh, oh, I said this Sadie person. She's so shady. Shady Sadie. <laughs> yep. And then I wrote, huh. <laughs> uh, for half the movie, I called her girly because I couldn't remember her name. I only remembered it because, of, you know, I don't know names, but I went, Shady Sadie. Shady, and every time she'd show up, i go, oh, Shady Sadie. Because uh-huh. <laughs> she would always just, she always looked like she had, I don't know, like, Ulterior motives yeah. of whatever was happening, she was doing her own thing. But yeah. also somehow she had like empty eyes. Yeah. Nothing going on in there. Yeah. Besides murder, apparently. Ooh. Yeah. She just scared the shit out of me. Yeah. But I thought she was so good. That part with her doing the faces. Because <sighs> like you still think back to like, I am like processing all the movie and I was like, oh, that's what this means in past. Like, it was like, she's still sitting there in front of a mirror making growl noises and like tongue. Ooh. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I hate, I hated, but loved Sadie. Like yeah. Sadie immediately made me uncomfortable because it's all these people that know each other. And even if you don't know David, the new husband or boyfriend or whatever, yeah. I he think is husband. dating, you know, yeah. uh, what the ex-wife, her name, Eden, Eden, he's dating Eden. So you're like, oh, you get a pass. And then Sadie shows up and you're like, who the, the fuck, fuck is Sadie? Is your deal? And then yeah. the other guy, Pruitt, right? Pruitt. And then he shows up and you're like, you both of you, they both have a horrible vibe. Yeah. And they do. Um, I didn't trust the wine, but again, this whole movie is set up so I don't trust anything. <laughs> Everything becomes sinister. Yes. And it's like, fuck, that is anxiety. Mm-hmm. That is paranoia. That is grief. It was so well done. I didn't trust anything. But then at the same time, it made me think that I was, I was like, I was not to be trusted. I was like, I, I mean, it's probably fine. Yeah. It's probably fine. I'm being weird. It's fine. Yeah. But then it wouldn't be. And I'd be like, I was right. You know, or I would be wrong, and I'd be like, "Fuck!" You're like, "Where the fuck so, is Troy?" Oh, Troy's right oh, there. Oh, Troy's here. Yeah, no, I was like, I was, I felt like we were on the same journey as Will, Will without being there. I was like, "Will, I'm with you on this one," yeah. and then he'd be wrong, and I'd be like, "Yikes, Will!" Because they have that like quiet way of his characterization, where it's not like he is the main character, and you f- experience the things going mm-hmm. through it, but it doesn't feel like he's like grabbing your arm and pulling you in it just feels like you fade into Mm -hmm. his character you just feel that and he's also so quiet too so it didn't feel in your face or like it was pushing the story at you yeah it was very much you know see what you want to see follow what will's doing and whatever emotions you feel that's on you because he doesn't explain it he's just seeing these visions yeah. and then slowly we piece together the story because of i think everybody else coming to talk to him which is so cool yeah i mean like you'll get one person being like oh it must be hard being here or someone else being like oh time has passed it's okay to grieve blah, yeah. blah. and you have to slowly piece together why it's so weird that they're here and then that's when the anxiety starts because you're like it is weird you're right yeah. it is weird that you're here and, and then it just spirals it's so good. <laughs> and then you have those moments where someone will come up and be like, he's being, like, he has a, like, self-destructive tendency. Like, he's yeah. being distant. And she's like, no, he's not. Right. And, like, people keep trying to, like, insinuate, like, you're just being really paranoid. And he's like, no, I'm not. Like, right. the way that Eden and David both come in and, like, try to start convincing other people that he's unwell and how to, they keep trying to tell him he's unwell. And he's just like, stop. Like, I'm. Yeah. Something's wrong. Even when nothing has happened. He's yeah. just being quiet. And they're like, has he always been like this? So like, uh, destructive, blah, blah. And I'm like, he's just walking around being quiet. Yeah. In the house that he hasn't been in since his like son died. Yeah. So yeah. But then randomly, they'll also give him like big passes at things. You know what I mean? Like immediately they're questioning why he's so quiet. 
But then he screams about Choi not being there, blah, blah, blah. And then he shows up and they go, oh, well, he's grieving. And it's like, okay, you guys are back and forth this whole time. Is he okay? Is he not okay? What's going on? Yeah. And it's like the only way that they accept his grief is when they understand what it looks like. Yeah. And so it's like if they can't comprehend the scope of language, then it's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. But if it becomes a form that they can understand, then they're like, oh, okay, that's grieving. Right. That's how grieving should look. Like, yeah, if it's not obvious and in, in like, what they think is okay, oh, which was infuriating the entire movie, but in a good way, you know? You're like, oh, how dare you guys? Um, I also said I really like that they have um, underlighting a lot. Like, a lot of the lights in this movie were, like, from underneath yeah. things. Um, I liked. I said, like, the pool obviously is lit from, like, the bottom. The trees all have lights underneath them. Um, it makes it feel like spooky and unsettling and like everything is bigger than it is and it makes them feel small i feel like which is kind of the point is i don't know is that like it's just a dinner party it's this small little thing it's a very like intimate gathering right but everything around it's just big it's bigger than you realize yeah i thought that was neat i loved it so much um i said the light also helps keep you focused on the things that are important um Almost like it's a spotlight. So like when she's in the car and you're looking like straight on, the headlights are lighting him and everything else is silhouetted. Um, And same with when she's in the bedroom, Eden. Mm, It's one of my favorite shots. Yeah. When it's like brightly lit and he's outside and everything's so dark around it. It looks like you're looking into like a shadow box play or something. I thought that was so neat. Um, I said it also keeps things from being too bright since it seems like this movie really likes having those silhouettes and more dramatic lights and more high contrast so yeah i don't know it helped keep that super high contrast on certain parts um let's see oh i did write this and i have i know i'm probably wrong it's one of those wild things where i make up a guess and i know it's probably not true (laughs) no not like the zombies or anything like that in 30 days a night don't worry (laughs) not like that um i said it also seems like the main character is silhouetted for a lot of the movie Almost like he's a spectator and everything that he's seeing ahead of him is what we are seeing as it's like a play or something. And then once he's participating, obviously everything becomes fully lit again. So it's like those parts where he's having his visions or those parts where he's exploring on his own. He's very silhouetted and it's like we're watching what he's seeing. And then once he's part of what's happening, then all of a sudden it's this natural light and you can see him fully. Yeah. So I love that. Just making stuff up again, you know. No, just seeing things with your third eye. (laughs) I open my third eye and I can see lights. (laughs) Um, Also, my favorite lighting part. This was so stupid, but I loved it. The little candle in the bathroom was so good. When they're shooting, it's so tiny. It's not even an important moment, but they're shooting from inside one of the bathrooms. Yes. He's on the bed and there's just a tiny candle on the counter. And so obviously the only light you're getting is from behind him or the candle. So again, he's like kind of silhouetted, a little bit backlit. And it's just great. It didn't mean anything. I don't. Th- I just loved it. I just was like, nice. It looks so good. Yeah. Um. Also, if if I was at that party and they played that video, I'd be fucking out of there. I hated that. It was. I I have a lot of notes about that, and that's something that Karen talks about in like interviews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Karen, like we're friends. Um, <laughs> My good friend Karen. Where she's like, that part is supposed to really make you consider how far you're willing to go to like 
break social norms because mm-hmm. the social norms are so strong to sit back and like go with the flow right. and like let things happen and not make it awkward. And it, a few of them are like, dude, what the fuck? But they don't right. push it too far past that. They just that. go, oh, <laughs> like weird. Or like they're willing to like say that's uncomfortable and then like they're told something that's like not even nearly enough to explain no. what just happened. And they're like, okay, well, I guess we disagree. So right. like the she explores so deftly the ways that we will hold on to norms as like a protective thing. So good. And like we will follow social norms yeah. and like social niceties to our deaths. <sighs> yeah. That happened in another movie once. Um I, I've only seen like bits and pieces of it, but there's one part I remember Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm. Um, where something happens where someone like is just being polite and he's like, Oh, can I come in? And she's like, I yeah. And then of course he like starts to attack her and he goes, Just imagine, like you could have survived if you didn't, you know, if you weren't so polite. Yeah. And then I'm like, God, that does suck. That's uh I don't listen to the podcast mm-hmm. anymore, but my favorite murder, um yeah. one of their things was like fuck politeness. Mm-hmm. And it's not like be mean to people on purpose, right. but it's don't follow politeness to your grave. Yes. Because like so many people socialized as female or like assigned female at birth are preyed upon because they are creeped out and they have like instincts, but right. it's rude and it's unladylike to be exactly. like, no, get the fuck away from me. No, I'm not gonna help you, random man. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I think that the movie is unsettling because it's like in my head i'm like i'd be so fucking out of there but would i because it's obviously the norm is to just sit there and be like oh that was weird and then you're like oh we'll talk about it later in the car or what you know what i mean it's like how much do you put up with and then like are you a frog being boiled alive because it's like well everyone else is still here and it's like all those societal pressures and all oh it was it was like hard to watch because I, I wanted to be like, I wanted to say I would leave. Yeah. But I don't know. I want to say Ugh. that I would be like, dude, you can't fucking show someone that. That's not acceptable. I don't know. Yeah. I. It's just wild. And the video creeped me out so much. It's like, where would you be in the apocalypse versus where would you be at the world's worst dinner party? Where would you be at the worst <laughs> dinner party? I, oh, I probably, I would be the girl that left. 100%. Claire. Yeah. I'd have been like, no, I'm done. Probably would have been murdered then because that's God what they did, yeah. I'm assuming. There's a cut scene that shows that Pruitt death killed her. Yeah. Yeah. Left so, her to die. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, I'd be dead, but I would have left. Um. Oh gosh, phone, I need you to stop. Okay. Oh, this part was one of my favorites. Um. When the clips of people eating and drinking just starts getting weird and chaotic. When it starts, like, the slurping is, yeah. like, loud and, like, and the all of the are, like, ambient noises are cranked up and then mm-hmm. everything else is brought down and you're yes. like, what? oh. And it's fast and it's, like, they're pouring wine and it's spilling all over. And, and the mouth sounds. Yes. And it's weird because I don't, you don't know for sure if that's happening. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know yeah. how, because then it cuts back after that. And they're all just sitting calmly at the table. Yeah. So I'm like, what, did you just eat wildly and now all of a sudden you're chilling? So like, I don't know. I didn't know if it was chaotic for Will's. Yeah. Like if he just all of a sudden was like, I'm uncomfortable so everything feels worse. Sensory overload is how I perceive that to be like when you're already stressed or like you're nearing a panic attack and then everything is so loud and everything is just grating at your skin. Yeah. To me, that's what it felt like. Yeah. So for them, I'm sure it was fine. Yeah. Obviously, to Will, it felt like that. So it was like a personified, just awful. It was awful. Yeah. Um, but I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I said, um, it's really interesting because it's also the sense of like a loss of inhibition too at this party. It, it seems like this is when they start to say like, oh, just, you know, do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you want. Calm down. 
And you start to see that. And I feel like Will is feeling it. And everybody else obviously is not noticing. And it was just hard to watch. It's hard to watch a bunch of people just be like, yeah, okay, sure. Sounds great. What a fun party. And Will's like, it's not. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like the vibes are off, friends. God, I said, I am terrified of Sadie. <laughs> My yeah. next note is just, I don't like Sadie. <laughs> Something about Sadie. Oh, my God. Um, this is where I said that the lighting seems kind of like um, The Descent, where I mm. appreciated that it's like this unnatural lighting, you know? Like the lighting is sometimes blue from the pool or bright orange from certain things. and But it's because it's a light fixture, you know? So yeah. it's like even though it looks really cool and wild in the moment, it, it is just uh, something that can be explained. Yeah. Just like the descent, where it's like, yeah, there's light and they're in a cave, but it's coming from something that we know flare. exists. It's a real, yeah, I love it. So I, I was getting some real boss baby vibes, some descent vibes uh-huh. from that. That's become my base of good lighting. Amazing, Whenever I see something yeah. great with light, I go, oh, like the descent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this gave me that, where I was like, yeah, like everything felt. Um, I said the pool, the orange light, it's because of candles or lamps. They're having a house, you know, they're, they're just sitting in the house and it feels unnatural, but it is natural. We know that because we see where the light's coming from. So our brain is starting to be like tricked, like, whoa, look at that wild blue light. And, but it's just a pool. Yeah. And it's just neat. Um, I wrote that phone call, exclamation point, exclamation point when he got the phone call. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen this movie before, and yep. still in my head, I was like, "No way!" I was like, Holy shit! <laughs> I was like, "They're in trouble now." Yeah. And then he shows up, and I went, "Oh well, oh, okay, <laughs> that one's on me." <laughs> um, another shot that I was obsessed with was the mirrors in the bathroom, mm, where it's just him a bunch yeah. of times reflected in the mirror. Um, that was great. I just, I thought it was neat. You see him again. Another mirror that I thought was really cool, where it's him silhouetted again but then he's clear and super visible and well lit in the mirror mm-hmm. so he's talking to like david will and then the mirror mm-hmm. he looks great and well yeah. lit but he's super dark in the actual like version of him Ugh. don't know what it means i just know i loved it yeah they had so many good interesting angles and way to light things that it just looked so good and every night i'm just like a one million dollar budget i know and that's why i was like they had to get creative and i love it yeah <gasps> it's so good. And then I said, this shit, this went to shit so fast and it got so scary. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Um, this is when I started to get excited about the sound. The sound was already great. I mean, obviously we talked about the sensory overload. Love it. Um, but then when they do that, the gunshot and it's silent except for that ringing that you would hear when yeah. something loud happens. They did it for so long. Yeah. And it was so good. It upset me. <laughs> I was not... It was like I was enjoying the movie, but the part of it was like, oh, I hate it so much. When everyone starts scattering to try yes. to survive, it's just like the chaos and like listening to things going wrong is just <sighs> like, oh. yeah. Anytime I, I don't, I'm very anxious about being chased, especially when there's more than one. Yeah. Because then I'm like, well, I can't keep my eyes on all three. So whenever that happens in a movie, I oh, get no. very... My heart starts no. to race. I have like very strong <laughs> negative reactions mm-hmm. to someone being behind me. And like yeah. I was in my sorority house. I was literally among all my sisters. <laughs> I was, couldn't be safer. We were taking chairs upstairs mm-hmm. and we were all just kind of like rushing because we wanted to go home. Right. And one of the sweetest people is running up the stairs behind me and I heard her. I saw her 
But I screamed and collapsed on the landing and started oh crying God. because she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was like, I don't know. You didn't do anything wrong. And I was just so upset because like there was just that panic of yeah. someone running up the stairs Being behind chased. me. It's, I can't do it. It's upsetting. I can't even do it in video games. I know. <laughs> I've chased you in a video game. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, uh, it just, it went from like, I think this is upsetting. I think this is not great to, I know this is bad. And now it's very bad. Yeah. So having all your worst fears realized, and it, it sucks, and it's it sucks. great, and I love this movie. Oh. That ringing sound, I said, and then it just starts with, there's no dialogue at all, and then it just starts with wild chaos, and yeah. going from that to that, and uh, it doesn't even give you a moment to breathe. No, and um, it does so much with, like, sudden noise, silence, noise. Yes. Like, it, it doesn't give you a lot of the in-betweens. It's like a study of extremes. Yeah. Yeah, it needs... Uh, it's great. And then when Kira, again, another thing with the sound, when he's when she's hitting uh, Pruitt. Pruitt with the, the wine bottle, he's making sounds that, one, they sound very real. I feel like we don't often get accurate kind of death sounds. Yeah. They're either really exaggerated or there's like nothing. Yeah. Um, but you get hit with something, you're going to make noise. Yeah. A lot of times people get hit and they're just dead. Yeah. Nothing. Like they would do something. Yeah, that like, kills him immediately. Whining groan where you're just like he's this. like, uh, and he's making these horrible sounds. But then it starts to get almost too like not exaggerated. But I just couldn't tell. He starts to like get like animalistic. I'm and like, angry. is he winding up? Is he about yeah. to like go ham? And it's it's fucking scary. And then that and then it just is nothing. And it went from being so real, which is already so upsetting, to so exaggerated that it. Like you said, it doesn't give you that moment to to take it in and breathe. I loved it. It was I loved so it. good. Um, and then obviously that moment is reminiscent of like the coyote in the beginning yeah. when he says like any way necessary, you got to do what you got to do. And she's like, well, I got to kill him. And that's, and then the white dress. Oh, I love that white oh, dress. I have a note about that later. She looks like an angel and I hate her. Like, yeah. It scares the shit out of me. I have a lot of thoughts about Eden. I can't wait to hear it. My last night was just, my last note, sorry. My last note was just that I love the red lights. Yeah. I mean, they're staring out into the city, sound of sirens, and they just get louder and louder, just like that sensory overload again. And then it just cuts to silence again. And that's so incredible. good. It's, so it's such good. a strong ending. Such a strong ending. <sighs> Those that's are all my trope. notes. <laughs> okay. I'm going through my notes. Drone of Dread. Mm-hmm. So like, we start off, we hear like this rumbling. And you also have like a misty screen. So you just hear a noise and you see something murky yeah and then it's you realize like oh these are trees passing in a windshield oh that's a car and so the slow realization of these like sounds and visuals that don't seem to match much of anything or could be too many things and it suddenly materializes into something understandable which is kind of a reverse (laughs) of the rest of the film um very get out car drive scene um i had just a lot of thoughts about like the first five minutes about the way that like the sounds and the images like overlapped. Um, something that pissed me off early on about Eden, just endlessly, but um, when he is alone with her or like they're having like a moment, yeah, she's like, did you worry about me? Did you think about me? And I was like, yeah. why do you need to occupy space in his brain? Why are you like, you need to let him go. You need right. to stop trying to make sure that he can't forget about you. That's not healthy. No. And obviously she's unwell. Right. <laughs> She's not doing great. She's great in this. Like She's incredible in this. Oh, she's unsettling from the very beginning. Just like from the beginning, like you already know it's an awkward night. Mm -hmm. And like the way that he gravitates towards her, like physically and emotionally, 
excuse me, it's already like, you know that there's a lot of unresolved stuff here yes. and she just starts pulling on it. Yep. And you're like, how dare you? <laughs> Ugh. Uh, let's see. Will's trying to get people to see how weird shit is. And everyone's like, this is LA. It's weird. I know. I love that that's their excuse a lot of times. I'm like, that's LA. <laughs> I'm like, and, I don't like LA then. And I made a note, like, LOL, coastal elites. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's just this one scene. I loved the composition of the people on the couch because it's the, uh, Miguel and Tommy and Claire. Mm-hmm. And they're just like a little AT&T bunch of white people. And they're like, well, Miguel's not white, but it's just like the AT&T bunch on the couch yeah. because they're like the bars. Yes. And then like one of them moves and I was like, where it's gone. Like oh, there no. are no bars. <laughs> it was very alarming to see like oh, that beautiful like symmetry. And then like suddenly, no. Right. Uh, let's see. Uh, the way that David is just like really gaslighting Will because yeah. he's like, I lock my door and you throw a fit. And what happened was Will said, hey, I'm kind of uncomfortable with that. And I think that if you think about how it's a fire hazard, we should maybe not. And there's also like, of course, that tension of like, this used to be my house. Now it's right. your house. I don't live here. I'm not married to her. My right. son's dead. And so like, there's obviously like, he's not like innocently saying like, I don't think we should lock the door. Right. But he's also not throwing a fit. Yeah. He's just exactly. making a calm point. Yeah. And they're trying to like already just sow seeds of doubt. Um, and then I, <clears throat> I realize I have like a huge gap in my notes uh and like this is already after the murder has occurred is where my notes pick up uh, oh, that's what mine were i know i took notes in there but i went through and i was like these are not worth sharing <laughs> and so i was like huh so when uh shits hit the fan and yeah. people are starting to be murdered um he says they're just people and i was like oh shit that's like a really good way to think about it when a dinner party turns into a murder party Because there's this way of, especially when you're, like, raised in slasher films where they're, like, metaphysical. Like, they have, like, more than human abilities. Or, like, how does he move so silently? How is he there? They're just people. And if you just keep reminding yourself, like, these are just fallible humans, it is reassuring. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly. (laughs) Give me goosebumps. Because even I was thinking it. I was like, man, how are they going to get away? How are they going to? And then I was like, well, shoot him. He's a person. Yeah. And then he said that. And I went, oh, my God, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you're so right, Will. Yeah. And it's like. Not only are they breakable, but they're also people that can make mistakes. And so you right. have this, like, image, like, when you're outnumbered or when, like, the rug has been yanked out from under you, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, they're masterminds. They thought of everything. No, they didn't. No, they're not just at all. dumb, rich assholes. <laughs> uh, so let's see. That, oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what's a theme theater? Uh, it's a home theater. Home so theater. So when they're running away, he's like, there's a door up here. There's a door up here. Right. And there's not. Uh, They, like, bricked over it or something. But you just see, like, the outlines of things in that room because the lights are off. Right. And it looks like it's a home theater. Yeah. And uh, my notice, rich people are the worst. We never get invited to their parties unless they're planning to ritually murder us to get on the great spaceship. Also, they played that spooky video on a laptop on the fireplace. Y'all couldn't invite them to the home theater, at least? Watch their horrible nightmare video? He's like, I'm sorry, the popcorn machine is down. (laughs) Sorry, we have to watch it here. The slushy machine's not working. at all times uh and then i just have two more notes mm-hmm. uh grief can't get me i'm on my spaceship that's how i picture them understanding their cult yeah <laughs> uh and then this is why you don't wear white to a dinner party you'll get spaghetti sauce or ritual blood on or, it. or yeah the blood yep 
there was so much wine at that party and i was like that dress is so white that dress is so scariest white, part yeah. is how waiting for it to spill on yes. the dress yeah i was like don't do it I'm like this is the anxiety of the film for that's me, the real is the white dress <laughs> i was worried about it way too much yep. Yep. it really was oh god those are all my notes those are all my notes this is good scariest moment okay mine i don't think it makes a ton of sense i know mine my, okay i want i want to hear yours you want first, me first? Yeah. it was sadie's faces yeah shady sadie oh uh she scared the shit out of me mm. i think because that part is the in my mind the strangest like yeah. everything else i'm i'm like yeah sure you can gaslight him about locking the door you can do whatever but Shady, Sadie is in that room just like making weird fucking faces and then just stares at him. And you have no explanation for I'd it. I'd be like, explain that, David. I'd be like, what's up with Shady Sadie? She scared me. She's a free spirit, Nikki. Yeah, Immediately no, she it, came out and I didn't like her vibe. And then yeah. she did that. And I was like, I knew it. Ugh. You were right to distrust her. I was right. So that was my scariest moment. It just, it just really ugh, scared me. Um, my scariest moment. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, he's outside by the pool Mm -hmm. and he has like had one of his like outbursts, which is reasonable, but in the moment it does not appear to be reasonable to other, everyone else. And Kira comes out to try to talk to him Mm -hmm. and he's having a very real moment about like, I love you. You can't save me from this grief. Yeah. And they're having a heart to heart, but they're in the foreground. Like there's the pool in front there in the chairs. And then behind them is a very lit seen through a glass wall mm-hmm. of a dinner table and the people sitting and moving and doing things. I'm like, mm-hmm. is someone going to get like got while they're talking? And so God. I was trying to focus on their conversation, but I was watching the background. I've seen this movie before. I couldn't remember it's- what happened. Oof. And because they were so well lit in the background, I was just watching that. Right. I told you it's like, it's like you're an audience watching other things. Like it's so good. That part is so spooky. They do that so many times yeah. with like super well lit things. And it's just like this pervading like uneasiness yeah. and like confusion and you're just never like on solid ground. Mm-mm. And it does it really well. It, this whole movie feels like walking on a waterbed. I'm just like, oh my Whoa. God. Whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's solid. I can stand up, but not well. At what cost? <laughs> At what cost? My poor little legs were wobbly. Yeah. God. Oh man. That's a good one. That's a good one. Subtle. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Oh, um, tropes. Tropes. I'm okay. Ready. There are a lot. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. not covering a lot of them. <laughs> I wanted to like. Have I'm a sure nice a lot of them we've had too. So oh, yeah, yeah. We talked about like drone of dread. Mm-hmm. Nothing scarier. Right. Like, all these different things. The different types of gaslighting. Right. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to cover a few different ones, especially one that we haven't really had come up to this degree, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, so the first one is apologetic attacker. Hmm. Uh, so Pruitt, like he's strangling someone or shooting someone. He's like, I'm sorry, I don't want to hurt you. And it's like, there's something extra scary about someone is. that is saying they don't want to hurt you, but they have such strong convictions or beliefs but that you they sure will. are hurting me. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and yet you are killing me actively. Like if I walked up, slapped you, I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. I hate doing this, Kate. I'm Slap sorry. again. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. like, this is just the worst for oh, me. God. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Uh, so it's just like that's another level of unsettling. Yeah. Uh, and then ambiguous situation. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck is Choi? And uh, I know. Is it dangerous or is it his grief? Like yeah. everything is about like this is violating our social norms that we can't push it further because then we'll be rude. Right. And is this just uncomfortable or is this dangerous? And so much of it is just like 
you feel like you have enough evidence. You're really not sure though. And you don't trust yourself. And there's nothing more stressful than that. Yup. Uh, beard of sorrow. <laughs> he did, he did. In the flashbacks, Will is clean shaven, but he has a beard in the present timeline because he is grieving still. He looks better with the beard. He looks so much better with the beard. <laughs> I was not about his face. He's, he's, he's handsome, Bella, yeah. but yeah. yeah. He doesn't need me to like him. No, <laughs> Just no. Anytime I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be like criticizing someone. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need me to like him. <laughs> uh, I'm going to save that one. Um, cult. Mm-hmm. That's just a trope. Dissonant serenity. Mm-hmm. We've had that happen where it's yeah. like the music is beautiful and calming. Yeah. But something horrific is happening. Yep. Uh, double meaning title. So the invitation is not only like the invitation to the cult, but right. the invitation to the party. Mm-hmm. So double meaning. Uh, extremely short time span. This happens over the oh, course of yeah. a few hours. Oh, uh, that's even more unsettling. Yeah. Ugh. They're like some flashbacks. That's like, things oh, how go. quickly things can fall apart. Ugh. Foreshadowing. You yeah. get foreshadowing all the fucking time. But <laughs> the coyote bars on the windows, locks on the doors. Right. The mention of the invitation being popular in the city. And then in the last moment, you see all the red yeah. lanterns. You're like, oh, it is popular it in the sure city. It is huh? popular. Then we have greater scope villain. So mm. in the house, Pruitt, Eden, and David, and Sadie, Shady Sadie, are the ones like doing the murders and stuff. Or, or trying to do the murders. Right. <laughs> Failing at doing the murders Failing in some circumstances. Murders. Mostly Sadie. She fails yeah. at doing the murder. Um, but Dr. Joseph is the one that, like, this is all his creation. Right. Greater scope. Ugh. Uh, Harvard hippies. Ha! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really funny, because we talked about this briefly. I don't even remember the film. It was when we talked about, like, the 70s. Yeah. I think it was for The Exorcist, maybe. Was it that, or was it... Because we also did um, Texas Chainsaw. It was more recent. Oh, okay. Where I talked about Woodstock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. That was absolutely... Um, So, basically, like, the hippie movement, like, free love, make peace, not war, like, or make love, not war, whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But there was also, like, the darker side, which people were like trying to jump on to discredit them so right. like the manson murders right. and like all those things and so like horror hippies are kind of usually in the like cut out of the mansons i feel like when you have these cults it's always a, a cliche kind of hippie yeah. thing yeah because yeah. it's all it's always like free love woo! and cults and cults free love and cults <laughs> yeah so, it goes. sounds like a welcome to like blank free love and cults <laughs> I almost said welcome to Mooseport. (laughs) I've seen that movie once and it lives in my brain now. (laughs) I was like, good for you. Never seen it. Don't curse me with that. It doesn't. You don't need to see it. (laughs) I haven't seen Groundhog Day, but I've seen Welcome to Mooseport. And I don't know why those are similar in my head. I don't know why you, why? There are connections up here. (laughs) Incredible. Properly paranoid. Yeah. Um, Will seems paranoid and he's right to be. Yeah. But usually with properly paranoid, you spend a solid chunk of time being called paranoid right. and being gaslit and then being like, haha, I was right. <laughs> and it doesn't you turn don't even out get to- a good gotcha moment because yeah. you're trying to murder him. So he's just yeah. like, I don't yeah. <laughs> or like everyone that you want to say gotcha to is dead. You're right. So And you can't like hug here and then go, I told you. Yeah. That's <laughs> just yeah. mean. It's kind of rude. It's like right. a faux pas in a relationship. But I, I feel heard. like I did tell you though. <laughs> Ten years down the line, he's like, he has the paper up and he puts it. He's like, "Hey, babe, remember that time? Uh huh. <laughs> when I was right? <laughs> you always do you this. You always do this." <laughs> <laughs> okay, the last one, Bolivian army ending. Oh, yeah. So I had 
no idea. I've just seen this listed before, but yeah. I was like, I have no idea. So the trope namer is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mm. And I think what happens in this one is based... Sorry, I'm like looking at it real quick. Um, basically, my understanding of it is that like... They're inside. Woo, they won. And then they open the door and the entire Bolivian army has like guns trained on them. And there is no way out. So the very simple version of this is that there is a cliffhanger ending where the protagonists are up against actually insurmountable odds. Right. Like they've spent the movie being like, don't tell me the odds. But then it's like, oh shit. Um. (laughs) They're (laughs) severely outnumbered. They have no bullets left. Right. An army is outside this door. Um. It's important to distinguish this from an unresolved cliffhanger Mm -hmm. because cliffhangers are just like, ah, you need to like know what's happening. And cliffhangers are usually intentional to make you want to watch it when it comes out again so that you get excited about the next book. Right. Or you're like tuning into the next episode. Like they're meant to bring you back. Yeah. But an unresolved cliffhanger is when uh, the show's canceled. (laughs) Right. Or the next book doesn't get published because the author dies. Like all these different things, unresolved cliffhangers were intended to be resolved. Yeah. But something prevented it from being resolved. Yeah. Usually it's because they were canceled. Um, So this is different than that. There is no intent to actually resolve it. It's not like, oh, tune in for the invitation part two. There isn't one. (laughs) It's like you are going to go out on the patio and see that there are murders happening all around you. And that's it. It sucks. (laughs) Yep. And it's like, usually it's pretty strong of like, oh, the movie's like their story is over. Not just like, oh, I'm leaving my seat now, but like they're going to die. And so like that's what distinguishes it from a cliffhanger or an unresolved cliffhanger or just like, you know. Yeah. So that's Bolivian Army. I like that. Ending. That's good. Thank you. Those are my tropes. That's good. I, I'm trying to think of rating scales. I Only one thing is standing out to me. Me too. What about you? Mine is Shady Sadie. Yes! Yay! <laughs> I was like, it has to be. I was like, come on, how many yeah. Shady Sadies? Yeah. I was like, if we don't do Shady If we don't do Shady Sadies, yeah. I was like, we can't do Red Lanterns. That's too cliche. That's too cliche. Um, I know mine. Yeah. I'm 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 pretty ready. Okay. All right. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Yay! Yay! Wow, we are just we're, we're actually vibing yeah. tonight. <laughs> we're on the same wavelength. Uh, we both chose five. Yep. The same um, shady Sadie wavelength. Yeah. We're both we're both connected with the shady Sadie. Shady Sadie highway right here. <laughs> Two tickets to Shady Sadie Highway. <laughs> I, I gave it five. It's it's just really uh, well done. I mean, the emotion that she wanted to capture is there. Obvious, yeah. like it, it's 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 obvious, but not in a way that's bad. It's yeah. not like hit you over the head. That was too much. Like it's not the mist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it's just good. It was great. I think the lighting is so pretty and yeah. so well done for having such like a small budget and having to be creative with what you use to get your lighting and stuff. And um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like The Exorcist where they had to be careful with not doing too much backlight and like having, they just had to be so careful. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of care went into this one as well. Yeah. Um, And I think that's so nice. And the sound design, every single thing in this movie helped keep that emotion that she wanted you to feel throughout. Yeah. And it was great. I was like, how do you how do you use sound, lighting, acting, everything for one emotion? And somehow she fucking nailed it. 
And it's just good. It's well acted. Yeah. And it's just an interesting story. Yeah. So. I I gave it five Shady Sadies yeah. because it is so well paced. Like, I can be, like, picky about slow burns, but I really thought that this gave you enough. Yeah. Each moment, each scene is, like, another, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. uneasy. Slow burn, but it, it gave you, like, little snacks along the way, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, chew on this for a while. Yeah, <laughs> like you're on a long hike, but yeah. they keep giving you trail mix. And yeah. you're like, oh, I feel good. I feel it's refreshed. Like the raisins are really bringing life back it. to me. <laughs> uh, no, I I loved the pacing. I liked the tension. Like, she fucking nailed it in terms of, like, creating that anxiety. Yes. And, like, you feel like someone's trying to hurt you and yeah. you don't understand it. You don't know why. But then she also, also explores – also, also does this. Also, also. Yeah. Uh, 2X also. Um, she explores, like – grief yeah. and trauma and like what it means to work through it or try yeah. to and carry it and what it means to try to escape it or yeah. like run away from it or like not resolve it right <laughs> and what it looks like for different people with different types of grief yeah. and also the exploration of friendship and yeah. like yeah, you know too. his friends care about him but right. none of them knew how to help him and they even mentioned that too where yeah. she's like maybe I should have reached out like maybe I should have done this and and yeah. so it to me it's just such a beautiful like exploration of the ways that we fail each other yeah. even if we have good intentions right. but then also scary fucking cult shit right and also anxiety so like I just it, it it's just great this movie has everything it does <laughs> and I and also with the social norms too yeah. I was like the social norms are one its own thing to investigate but it meshes so well with the grief because yeah. like you said if it's not the grief that you know how do you help you know yeah so. It was just so interesting yeah. to see all of those things come together to make one cohesive dinner party. Like, yeah. I, and it's just a dinner party, and it's like it's so good. <laughs> the first time I watched this, I was like, "This is so uncomfortable," and then the second time, yes. I was like, "It's uncomfortable." And yeah, and I just feel like this is a movie that you can keep getting things from. Oh yeah, I mean, I was so excited to watch it just yeah. because I knew that I was going to get more and more, and I'm I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah. We'll watch Eon Flux and then we'll watch this. Yes, right? <laughs> Maybe we should do a Karen Kusama night. Eon we Flux, should. Jennifer's Body, this. This. I, I just, I love this movie. This is one of those ones that like, I can't wait to show other people. Yeah. Not just one I want to tell people about, yeah. but I want to watch them watch it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, what do you think? What are you doing? <laughs> and I just think it's so good. Yes. That's so, a perfect 10 Shady that's Sadies. A perfect, that's too many Shady Sadies, that's, but I don't it ever, deserved it. That's 10 too many. I don't yeah. ever want to experience her in the wild. Mm-hmm. But if we have to have 10 Shady Sadies, it's for this film. Yeah, don't, mm-hmm. only for this one though. Yeah, only this one. No one, no one else can have the shady sadies. Please don't bring them back to the party. Please don't bring. Them You're back not invited. She wasn't. She wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that wraps up our discussion. Yeah. Okay, that was our discussion of the invitation, the 2015 version, not the new one that I apparently it exists. I don't know. <laughs> I I read a synopsis like briefly to be like that's surely not the movie that we're watching. <laughs> <Maybe> <laughs> I was like, what? What's happening here? <laughs> uh, I got very nervous, is what I'm saying before like recording. <laughs> Just like, oh fuck. <laughs> uh, so the text that I said, remember, we're doing this equally as for me as it was for you. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, I need to make sure I do. <laughs> Incredible. So if you enjoyed your time with us, we would really appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. That helps other people find us, and it's also just cool to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Also, word of mouth is yeah, amazing. Yeah, that too. Yeah. If you're too Tell scared your to watch the horror films, that's okay. Tell yeah. your friends who do like them. Yeah. 
Or if you're like my sister who does not watch right? scary movies, you listen instead of watch them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Don't watch it. Just listen here. Yeah. We got you. <laughs> yeah. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Cool With It. And every week we'll post the movie that we're going to watch as well as some other fun things. You can check out our excited show notes on our website, JustGoWithIt.com. Or you could even take a look at our Patreon at Patreon.com slash JustGoWithIt. We have two new patrons. We do. Oh, they're so good. Okay. So the cadence, the rhythm might it's be, different. be different. I know. I'm, yeah. I'm gearing up my little dance that I okay. do. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our patrons. Kim, Kelly, Mihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, Kayla, Meg, Katie, Morgan, Brady, Kenny, Janice, Brian, Jessica, and Ada. Dance. It was hard. You're like, huh, I was like, huh, it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> I someday will film this so people can watch my dance. It's involuntary. You're I don't winded. mean to do it, but I'm like, I have to. I have to do it. But yay, new patrons. Yes. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, that's so great. Yes. Thank you so much for your support. Hell yeah. Uh, and if you join the Patreon, you can get perks like the um uh, the Simul Watch. Mm-hmm. We do it once a month, and the horror game. We do mm-hmm. that once a month. And we get to choose the picks. Yeah. So that's our next week, yes. right? Yeah. So the patrons have chosen. I They've think chosen. They chose unanimously. They were all just like almost, boom. Yeah. Almost. Yep. There was like one. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to the one. <laughs> that person had a good vote, but you everyone else vote. really chose. <laughs> but boy. So I'm excited about that. that. Yeah. Uh, the intro and outro music was created by Anthony Roccazella. The cover art. It's by our very own Nikki Solomon. That's me. Kate. Um I'd like to show you a video. No! <laughs> Can you imagine if I turned it and I was just like, like dying? It's just Sadie making faces. It's just Sadie. It's like, you like, promised bleh. me. Who said you would show me Sadie again? Shady is a turtle. Shady, I meant to Sadie. <laughs> Groundhog Day, but I've seen Welcome to Moosport.